0: If you will, you can uh, open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3 uh, this evening. Last week, you may remember, we saw once again that this quest for wisdom uh, is not an easy one. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not for the lazy. We don't just sit in the pew or sit on the couch and expect God to just zap us with wisdom all of a sudden. Even though he is the source of all wisdom, we still have some responsibility. And Solomon told us last lesson that... We must receive and store up his teachings with open hearts, with open minds. He told us that we must pray for wisdom, just like James told us to do. And he also told us that we need to seek it diligently like a man hunting buried treasure. And if we fulfill our responsibilities, you can rest assured that God will fulfill his. Always. He will never let us down. He wants us to mature in wisdom. And so as we grow in wisdom uh, and we grow in fellowship with Him, understanding more of what it is to fear Him, it actually becomes this safeguard or this protection in our lives. And we saw that last week that through God's wisdom, we are able to look at this world through His wisdom, through the lenses of His wisdom, and we are able to see this world for what it truly is, see the way uh, He sees it. And so then our actions and our decisions reflect that. And the two examples Solomon gave is that we're not as tempted to join with an evil man who may promise easy success because we see who he really is. We see that he's really a man walking in a dark path down this, uh, this crooked, twisting road. We're not as tempted to join in with an evil woman who may promise easy pleasure because we see she's really just this siren who is trying to lure us into this graveyard of destruction. So last week we saw that protection comes from wisdom. There's some safeguard in our lives. But there's more to wisdom than it simply being an insurance policy. It can guard us from these sinful traps. But there's also what we might call more positive blessings that come through wisdom as well. And we're going to start to see some of those tonight. Uh, We'll read the first eight verses of Proverbs chapter three, but you can read the rest of the chapter later tonight and you can see even even more blessings. But uh, these verses are probably the most famous verses in all of Proverbs and you can, you can see that in verse 5 and 6 in just a minute did your parents ever tell you to do something and then when you asked why they responded with those dreaded words because I said so now I hate to tell the children there's technically nothing wrong with that answer if your parent tells you to do something you're supposed to honor them, respect them, obey them. That's, that's biblical. We don't always like that answer, but it's not wrong. Same's true with God, right? If God tells us to do something, that's reason enough. But I want you to consider that God is so gracious that he actually reveals the deeper reason to us. He reveals the motivation to us. He often tells us why we should obey. And Solomon is going to do that as he's instructing his son. He doesn't tell him to listen up and do what I say just because I said so. He's going to say, do this because it will help you. There's some positive blessings, some good reasons for obeying these words of wisdom. And so tonight we're going to see this sort of back and forth in these verses where Solomon is going to offer a command and then a blessing, then an incentive, then what we might call the reason for, for obedience. So we're going to see the command, and then, and then why? The benefit from it. As we consider those, these benefits and these blessings from following God's wisdom, we need to be careful that we don't focus on the gifts as opposed to the giver. the gifts that God offers are incredible so what does that say about him if he has the ability to offer these types of gifts that we'll see uh, tonight and so don't focus on the gifts but focus on the giver and that's where the famous verses of 5 and 6 are going to come into play tonight about completely trusting the Lord so let's read uh, chapter 3 let's read the first 8 verses together Solomon says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Let's start by looking at this first sort of couplet in the first uh, first two verses. In verse one, Solomon's going to give his wish, his desire, we could even call it a command that he gives to his son, not to forget his teaching. The word teaching there is actually the word for law and sometimes it's used to describe the law of Moses and I think we could make a broad application there that of course we're not to forget the law of God but here in the context Solomon is telling his son don't, to for, don't forget these words of wisdom that I'm specifically giving you these principles, these laws, these teachings. We do not need to forget these wisdom principles but what does that mean? Notice the second part of verse 1. Solomon says, but let your heart keep my commandments. There's a lot more involved in not forgetting these teachings than simply remembering them. Because Solomon contrasts forgetting with keeping. Not forgetting with uh, with memory or remembering, but forgetting with keeping. And so Solomon is concerned with obedience, not memorization you can remember scriptures all day long and not live them. You may be able to outquote any any Christian with any scripture, but if you haven't taken those quotes uh, to heart, you haven't obeyed them, you haven't kept them, then what's the point? The word for keep here can mean to keep, to guard, and to observe And sometimes it's used in the idea of sort of uh, keeping things in the sense of protecting them or preserving them. But it's used several times in the Old Testament for keeping the covenant uh, that God made with you, for obeying his laws and testimonies. And I think that's what Solomon uh, is referring to here. So rather than forgetting them, let your heart obey them. Instead of forgetting them, live by them. And isn't that sort of what James said in James 1.22 when he said, Be ye doers of the word. And not hearers only deceiving yourselves. And so that's what Solomon commands us to do. It's it's one of our duties as we learn God's wisdom. We're not looking for things simply to memorize. Things to put into practice. Follow it. Obey it. You say, well, why? And it's not just because I said so. Look at verse 2 and notice this wonderful benefit, this blessing of obedience. He says, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Following God's wisdom will add quantity and quality to your life. Like the way one author says it, obedience to the word can add years to your life and life to your years. As far as length goes, this should make perfect sense after coming out of chapter 2 and the protection and safeguard that we read that wisdom can offer us. Let's think about it in reverse for a minute. Sin can shorten your life. If you live an immoral lifestyle, chasing down fleshly lusts, indulging in excess, hurting others for your benefit, your life may be required of you much sooner than you'd like it to be. You may just make the wrong person mad you may become a statistic about overdose or drunk driving or diseases. Paul said the wages of sin is death. That's true physically, just as it is spiritually. So sin can shorten your life if for no other reason just because you face the consequences of your immoral decisions. But sin will also cheapen your life. You will find no fulfillment, no depth, no contentment, no joy, or to use the word Solomon uses in in verse 2, no peace will be added to your life if you choose to live a lifestyle of sin. But God's wisdom is the opposite. God's wisdom can add those things. We sing that old song, Deep and Wide, and I know it's not referring to God's wisdom when we sing that song, it's about something else, but... His wisdom can make your life deep and wide. Both of them. What a blessing for obedience. It's similar a little bit to what we read recently in 1 Peter when Peter quoted from a Davidic psalm and he said, Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. That's following godly wisdom, that's obeying that. You can love life if you do that. As we consider this blessing, and there's going to be a lot more to come, not just tonight, but as we go through Proverbs, I want to just sort of pause for a moment and deal with uh, the issue some people have when they study Proverbs, which is what we would just call the prosperity gospel. Because we have these blessings uh, that follow obedience and things like that. So the prosperity gospel, or sometimes we call it a health and wealth gospel, It's essentially a message that promises that if you obey God, you have enough faith in him, he will bless you physically and financially. And someone may say, well, doesn't that sound a lot like what Solomon is doing here, Brother Matt? Sort of, maybe. But that's why I want to caution us and be careful and sort of hit the pause button for a minute and talk about this. Because the prosperity gospel always equates blessings to physical things. That's why we call it a health and wealth gospel. I like to to disparage it a little bit with terms like name it and claim it and blab it and grab it uh, and things like that. But that may not be very respectful. Um, But one author says, the prosperity gospel is cold-hearted materialism in religious disguise. It is a message that plays on the greed of people. If you remember, Solomon's already warned us about greed. The health and wealth gospel is a message that completely disregards uh, so many scriptures that talk about suffering and trials and persecution in the life of God's children. And it essentially offers this equation that your physical success and your financial success and all of those things is directly linked to your faithfulness and your spirituality. Job's friends thought that was true. How did that turn out for them in the end? But it is a valid question, and it's a good thought to ask to say, okay, what is the difference then between this health and wealth gospel and what Solomon is offering here if we follow God's wisdom? And we're going to see this throughout Proverbs. It's a valid question, so I'm going to offer you just this kind of multi-paneled response. It's, it's, It's got multiple perspectives to answer this. All right, And first is remember that Proverbs didn't drop down out of nowhere, but I've mentioned a few times already that it fits within the overall framework of the Old Testament. And the nation of Israel was indeed promised physical success as a blessing to obedience. Later tonight, when you get a chance, go and read Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 28. You will be sheerly, utterly amazed at the blessings that God promised the Israelites if they would obey Him. I've kind of joked before that the Israelites actually had a chance to make the health and wealth gospel work. They they had a chance at this. They they, they failed, but God promised to shower them with blessings if they would obey him. As we specifically think about this, this blessing of long life, it makes me think back to the Ten Commandments, what we call the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. And do you remember, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So even that that command carried that promise. And if we think about the nation of Israel, blessings, physical blessings were promised if they they obeyed. But so were punishments if they disobeyed. When God brought uh, enemies against them to discipline them and chasing them for their sin, that's going to shorten their lives, isn't it? Being invaded, being oppressed, being enslaved aren't things that normally promote long, healthy lives. But if they obeyed and they kept the covenant, they would be physically blessed. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Read that chapter later. So there's one aspect that we need to consider in this is simply um, the, the nation of Israel. And that Proverbs is written by the king of Israel. Here, Another aspect is just still to remember that anything good in our lives does come from God. We don't have to ever shy away from that. All right? God absolutely has the power to bless us physically, financially, uh, whatever you want to say in those regards. And so never forget that everything good in our life comes from Him. But let's not think that those things are some sort of payment for service. God is simply just gracious enough to give us good things if He so chooses. But don't ever shy away from thanking God and praising Him and telling others that God has blessed you. Everything good in your life comes down from the Father. James said that as well. Remember James is sort of called the Proverbs of the, of the New Testament sometimes. Another, another aspect to this, to this answer, and I mentioned this in one of our first lessons, is remember that we're studying Proverbs, not promises. Proverbs are generally true, but that doesn't mean that there is never an exception. Sometimes unrepentant sinners live for a long time, and as our our saying goes, quote, the good die young. But proverbially speaking, generally speaking, if you live in God's wisdom as opposed to sin's foolishness, you are more likely to live longer and be healthier and be happier You're absolutely going to have a greater depth and peace in your life. And that kind of leads into the last perspective that I want us to just consider, along with the idea of depth and peace, is that the greatest blessings of God are spiritual and relational, not physical or material. Yes, God has the power to bless us physically. He may very well do that, and let's be thankful if He does. But even then, let's not fall into this greedy trap of of a health and wealth gospel and think that, boy, if I serve even more, if I give even more in the offering plate, I'm just going to receive all these uh, more physical blessings. Let's remember that God's greatest blessings are not tangible. Can you put a price on peace in your life? If you've ever been in turmoil, you know the value of peace. Peace. How much are joy and contentment worth? What's the value of being able to lay your head down at night and go to sleep knowing that you are right with your Creator because of Jesus Christ? Those are priceless, invaluable blessings. So again, this is this sort of multifaceted answer, but I I wanted to sort of pause and consider this because we needed to do it at some point uh, as we go through Proverbs uh, because we don't want to fall into a greedy trap and think that, well, I'm going to do this because look what it gets me. Although Solomon does tell us that, though. He does give us the reasons, all right? But Solomon isn't a charlatan. He's not promising this health and wealth gospel. He's simply relaying to us the gifts and the blessings that God can give those who obey Him. All right, so let's move on now to, the, to verse 3. and uh, verse 4, look at this, this next couplet. And it sort of kind of emphasizes that depth to your life. And notice in verse 3 and 4 that ultimately we're concerned with what kind of a person wisdom will make you instead of what wisdom will do for you. Because notice he says in verse 3, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. In verse 3, Solomon desires us to be more like God. He's concerned about our character, and he wants our character to be a mirror of God's character. Both of these words, steadfast love, and faithfulness are used often and often in in connection as well to describe God in the Old Testament these are characteristics of God himself and now Solomon is telling us don't you leave those behind in your life don't you forsake steadfast love and faithfulness a few weeks ago I mentioned this word steadfast love in a sermon and if you were here you remember it was that fruit salad Hebrew word that's, that's used most often in the Old Testament to characterize God it's such a big word that we don't have an English equivalent to it it has loyalty in there it has faithfulness, it has compassion, it has love, it has faithfulness, it has all of these wonderful attributes in this big fruit salad bowl. And sometimes we might be able to pick out a grape and pick out a strawberry and pick out a pineapple. And in a certain context, we kind of see that pineapple more than the whole bowl. But it's just this big bowl of wonderful, wonderful graces that God is. God possesses all those things. And we better be thankful for that. Solomon used this same phrase later on in Proverbs, in Proverbs 16 and verse 6. And he said this By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. If it weren't for these attributes of God, we would not have forgiveness. It's because he's compassionate. And loyal, and loving, and gracious, and faithful. Why would he? Why would he send Jesus to die for us if these attributes did not characterize Him? That's how crucial these attributes are. And now Solomon urges us: You don't forsake them either in your lives. You wear them like a necklace. Better yet, he says, tattoo them on your heart. Engrave them deep down within your soul. Why? Not just because I said so, but because there's a blessing too. Steadfast love and faithfulness, Solomon says, will result in favor and success. The word favor has the idea of grace. But the word success doesn't mean what we normally think of it in, in America. The word really means understanding. It's used about 16 times in the Old Testament. This is the only time it's ever translated as success. In other places, it generally has the idea of, maybe we would say common sense, having some sort of sense about you, having some sort of discretion or understanding. And so I want you to think about it this way. When you live your life showing steadfast love and faithfulness to others, not only is that a gracious thing, but it demonstrates your understanding Not only of of God and what He requires of you, but just God's view of other people as well. Having these godly attributes in your life will lead to a blessing of grace and understanding in your relationships. Doesn't that make a whole lot of sense? If you have steadfast love and faithfulness, you're going to have a lot of grace and favor and and success and understanding in your life both with god and men sin and foolishness cannot promise you that absolutely not but god's wisdom can and that brings us to the most famous verses in the whole book look at verse five and six again and i love that solomon brings this the idea of trusting god up in the midst of this back and forth between command and blessing command and blessing and he he sort of pulls the reins back just a little bit and says trusting God completely is what this is all about not about seeking certain sorts of blessings from him but just totally relying on him notice verse 5 and 6 trust in the Lord with all your heart do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. We're going to break down this, these familiar verses, uh, and I'm going to use some sort of summaries and headlines that, that are not original with me. I'm absolutely stealing these from probably tons of other people that have, that have used these. But uh, the first one, though, is simply we need to note in this verse that our trust must be in the Lord. And notice that all capital letters once again. This is Yahweh, which, or who is Jesus Christ. Uh, we talked about that in one earlier lesson, so we won't go deep into that right now. But just like Solomon told us where, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's not just a generic deity. It's not just you pick out some spiritual being that you think is out there, and you, you really fear that person, and you'll be wise. No, it's limited and restricted to Yahweh. And the reason we never see the name Yahweh in the New Testament is because he became a man. The man Jesus Christ. And so the first thing we have to notice here is that our trust must be in Jesus Christ. So this makes it all about a person. Much more than principles to memorize or even to follow. This is about a relationship. A lot of authors talk about the word trust here and that how it may be related to an Arabic word that literally has the idea of falling flat on your face before someone just absolutely falling falling down and I know this wasn't an image in the ancient world obviously but it but it makes me think of what we call crowd surfing you say you can't use crowd surfing to talk about trusting the Lord brother Matt well I'm gonna try someone who's singing on stage at a concert and they jump off into the crowd, that is complete trust that some hands are going to go up and catch them, or they are going to land flat on their face. It's complete reliance. Complete reliance. That's the idea of this trust is just falling completely upon God. And the next phrase sort of lends itself to that when Solomon says, with all your heart, trust God entirely. Do not hold any part of yourself back from relying wholly on God. Throw everything that is you upon him and upon his word and upon his wisdom. You remember what Jesus said the greatest commandment was? said to love the Lord your God with what? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. I'm not equating love and trust, although surely they go together, but the complete devotion that should be given to God in our lives, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, trust Him with all your heart. Hold nothing back. Trust him entirely. Trust him exclusively. Solomon said, do not lean on your own understanding. The word lean here gives a great contrast with the word trust. We talked about trust is, is just falling flat. The word lean has the idea of someone sort of putting putting some of their weight on their shepherding staff here, kind of like I'm doing to the pulpit here. Not all my weight but a little bit, right? So the picture is that I am to completely fall on God rather than prop any bit of myself up on my own understanding. Not any of it. This word understanding, we've seen before in Proverbs, it's been translated as insight before in a good sense. And so Solomon isn't prohibiting thinking. He's not prohibiting us using our brains He's teaching us that worldly wisdom is not worth leaning on. You fall on God, don't even lean on any ounce of your own understanding, any ounce of worldly wisdom. We have a great song, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Maybe we should change it to Totally Falling on the Everlasting Arms. Doesn't really, I don't know if it it would be a good melody. I don't know if it would really work, but... Trust God and don't even don't even lean on your own understanding but only what comes from His words and, and finally, trust God extensively in all your ways. That's a convicting one. Not, not that the others aren't, but there is not one aspect of our lives where the lordship of Jesus Christ is not sovereign over. Not one Element of your life that is unchanged because you're saved. In fact, the word for acknowledge here is that word for knowing. And remember from one of an earlier lessons, the idea of knowing is a relationship. Down every path in your life, know God. Your relationship with Him affects everything. Not just your religion. Not just your church. But in all your ways. Your finances, your family, your career, your education, your friendships, your speech. Your gifts. Your generosity. Whatever you want to say. Trust Him. Why? Not just because I said so but notice the blessing the blessing for trusting God is that he will make our paths straight a lot of us have memorized this verse a little differently right I think I memorized it that he will direct your paths and some of you are shaking your heads but the Hebrew word here doesn't mean to lead or guide or direct I'm not saying God doesn't direct us that's not what this word means. This is actually a word that means straight or smooth or even a, in a figurative sense, something is straight that means it's right. word was used uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 6, if you remember the story of the Philistines uh, taking the ark in, in battle and this uh, after a, a little while of some of the curses of God being brought upon Philistia, they said, we need to get rid of this ark. And so they sent it back with some cows tied to a cart. And these cows walked straight toward Basramesh with the Ark of God. That's the same word. They didn't veer off to the right or to the left. They went straight there. It's the same word used in Isaiah 40 to describe prophetically the work of John the Baptist. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And so, again, I don't mean that God doesn't guide us in our lives and he doesn't have a sovereign plan or anything like that. But here... What Solomon is saying is that if we will trust him, he will straighten our paths. Say, what does that mean? A straight path is juxtaposed to a crooked path. And often in Scripture we see words like crooked and perverse and twisted and things like that to describe an immoral walk, a wicked walk, following a sinful, immoral lifestyle. But if you'll trust God... It won't be like that. It will be straight. Trust God every step. Your life will be right in his eyes. It will be upright. It will be moral. It will be ethical. All these things that godly wisdom teaches us about. It won't be that crooked, dark path that the man in chapter 2 is trying to get you to come, come with him up on. I think the next two verses actually support this view of what Solomon's teaching here. With a little bit different wording, he's going to say the same thing. All right, notice, notice in verse 7 be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. One quick point before I, I show the parallel here is that remember, we had an entire lesson on fearing the Lord, and, and it's much more than just an emotional thing. Uh, but fearing the Lord often is related to obedience. And we see that here in verse 7 because he he sort of links it. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. There's some obedience there. Life-changing obedience is involved with fearing fearing God. But I want you to notice the parallels between verse 7 and then the the very famous and familiar verses of verse 5 and 6. In verse 7, we see the phrase, fear the Lord. And that parallels in verse 5, trust in the Lord. In verse 7, we see, be not wise in your own eyes. Well, that parallels, do not lean on your own understanding in the previous verses. And in verse 7, we see, turn away from evil. Well, as we understand what that Hebrew word means in the phrase we just talked about, that parallels make straight your paths. I don't want to turn down the right path. I don't want to live a crooked, winding, dark road. I, I want to turn away from evil and, and to use our, our terminology, walk the straight and narrow Well, not just because I said so, but because in verse 8, Solomon says, It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Trusting and obeying God is refreshing. Have you ever thought about it that way? Trusting and obeying God is refreshing. God does not ask us to obey Him just because he said so, or he doesn't ask us to obey him because he's a harsh taskmaster. He doesn't want to make our lives hard. What did Jesus tell people about coming to him? Come to me and I'll make your life tougher. Come to me and I'll place so many restrictions on you that you won't even know where to turn. He said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. He wants us to come to him and obey him and learn from him because it's what's best for us anyway. He knows the blessings and benefits that result in living a life that pleases him as opposed to a life led by sin. He knows. and He wants what's best for us. So as we close tonight, I'm going to just sort of conclude and and, and apply just three things and and sort of summarize here. First, God reveals wonderful reasons for us to serve him. He didn't have to do that. It's like a parent can say, because I said so. God can say, because I said so. But he doesn't do that. Let's be thankful that God gives us more than that, even though that would be enough. He always knows and He always wants what's best for us. And so trust Him. And that's the the second thing that I want you to to remember, especially if you're lost. Trusting God begins with a relationship that is offered only in His Son, Jesus. If you don't trust Jesus to save you, how in the world can you possibly claim that you trust God? Think about that. Completely fall on him with all your weight, with all your sin, and trust that the God who created you will catch you. He will never let you down because he has steadfast love and faithfulness. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't even have forgiveness. I pray that tonight is when you start trusting God if you've never done that. And then if you have trusted God for salvation, let's be encouraged tonight to completely trust Him entirely, exclusively, extensively. Hold nothing back from God. He held nothing back from us, did He? If we trust him with our salvation and we think he's powerful enough to handle our eternal spiritual destiny then why in the world do we not follow his wisdom and his word in other aspects of our life? Well, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to be saved by grace through faith but I'm going to start stealing now to get what I need. That's foolish. I'm, I'm thankful God saved me but I'm going to be greedy and cutthroat and dishonest in business now to get ahead. That's foolish. Trust God and live according to His wisdom, and He'll make your path straight. Not only will you be a better witness and be a better testimony, but it's what's best for your life anyway. There are blessings that come along with following God's wisdom. So trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, once again, we're so thankful for the wisdom that you granted Solomon with and for the inspiration and conviction of the Holy Spirit that led him to write this down and as you led every word, Lord, help us to fulfill our responsibilities in this in this search for wisdom, God, to to receive your teachings, to pray to to mind them out of your word, Lord, to to obey them. Help us not to forsake steadfast love and faithfulness in our lives and help us to trust you, God. And thank you so much for any and all blessings that you choose to give us. We thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen. We pray you are encouraged by today's message from the word of God. This sermon audio is available for free on all major podcast formats, as well as our website at northbryantbaptist.org. Thank you for listening.